Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of AAPC's podcast called The Pulse, where we sit and talk about all topics dedicated to the business side of healthcare. I am your host today, Lori Cox. And on today's episode, I have a special guest. Karen Bowman is with us. Now, if Karen's name sounds a little familiar to you, it's because she was recently on the cover of our favorite magazine, the Healthcare Business Monthly. Thanks, Karen. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. I didn't like the picture. I wasn't that, but it was okay. <laughs> I thought the picture was great. Uh, but yes, you're right. Um, we never like pictures of ourselves, do we? It's <laughs> terrible. Um, but I thought it was great. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to be on the cover of the magazine? Well, I'm actually an AAPC National, National Advisory Board member. And, you know, some of the things that we do is send articles in that we create. And so I had, I had done an article for AAPC. And so they wanted to, to actually, you know, put me on the cover, which was amazing to me. And I, when I saw that picture, I didn't recognize myself. I'll be like, <laughs> I'm like who's that? <laughs> But that was done at the regional conference, and it was windy that day. And then when we were taking pictures, it had fallen on top of my head. <laughs> so it was kind of crazy out there, and I didn't have sunglasses on, and I always wear sunglasses. So I was squinting. But anyway, we're all good. Oh, yeah. It was great. Well, um, as a previous NAB member myself, I want to thank you for that because um, there's a lot of work that goes into that. And that might be a whole podcast we do sometime in the future, too. Um, but thank you for being part of that. And um, your article that you wrote is kind of what we're here to talk about today. Um, it's all about uh, staffing. Isn't that like the hardest thing to do? I feel like these days, especially even here at AAPC and on the audit services division side, um, we have all these projects to complete and attracting and retaining that staff. It's, it just seems like it's just grown and it, since COVID or whatever it is, it's just been an issue constantly. So tell me a little bit about how you decided that was the article to write and how you're doing some of the recruiting and stuff. Oh, certainly. Um, and you were right. Around COVID times when most medical practices and, and billing departments started to see uh, that we were having difficulty recruiting staff members. We had staff to leave who would work from home because in, and I work in a medical practice, so I'm in the office every day. Mm -hmm. And so some people got the opportunity to code from home, to do pre-starting from home. So this was uh, something that we talked about across the board as managers and administrators is how do we keep staff? And it, it has been very difficult. So that was one of the reasons that I chose to, to write this article because I had to start thinking outside the box in order to, to gain those staff members that had the qualities that I needed. And sometimes right. you have to hire somebody and hope you can train them for the position that they're going to be doing. And right. it, it so, so far has worked out for me which I'm, it's a blessing. Absolutely. Um, so in the beginning of your article, you talk about recruiting. So uh, talk to me about some of the things that you do to recruit staff. Sure. First of all, one of the things that we do, I actually got an email from a manager today looking for a medical assistant. So we share, if we have um, a need in the office, we will send emails to other managers 
in our area to see if they have anybody that they may have been interviewing recently, but they weren't the best candidate for them, but they were in their top three or so. And that's one of the things that we do. Um, I do advertise mm-hmm. on Indeed sometimes, but I don't always get along like with that. I advertise, you know, we also reach out to our AAPC local chapter if we're looking for billing and coding people. And, um, and sometimes we find people that way. It's been a really good thing we share you know i always get emails from our local chapter president about you know i have this person looking for a job or this person has an opening so that's one of the ways that we also recruit staff Right. I agree with that, too. We do the same thing here um, when we're recruiting. We look at our local chapters um, or just networking in general, I think, is probably one of the best ways. And and that's um, probably one of the indeed downfalls and LinkedIn downfalls is that you yeah. don't really know that person. But if somebody refers you. Right. So we're always reaching out to our staff like, hey, like right i just this morning emailed uh, someone and i was like hey i need somebody that can do neurosurgery like right now <laughs> you know and um that's i feel like that's one of the best ways to recruit good quality staff absolutely i have sent resumes on someone before i had a young lady who was not perfect for my gi practice she was very young and she wanted to work in peds and so i mm. sent her to a pediatric administrator and she hired her so you know that's kind of what we do we do the networking like you said and and that is has been by far the best for us to do yeah i i completely agree with that not that there's anything wrong with the online and the job search and and that but that that networking is just so important i i really agree with you there um Now, once we've got them hired, uh, now we need to train them, (laughs) which takes time. But if you can really dig deep and offer that, you talk about comprehensive training in your article and streamlining the tasks and bringing other people in. So tell me about that a little bit. How do you train your people coming in? Um, It depends on the position that they're coming into. If they come into the front office, as you all can imagine, front office is so busy answering the phones, checking patients in and out, um, greeting other people, visitors to the practice, scanning medical records, things of that nature. So I will have my business office director. She does the training for all front office staff. So they're all trained identically. And she will train them on a certain task at first from it may just be answering the phone or it may be scanning medical records or checking those patients in. You cannot throw everything at them at one time. They will not retain that. Right. That's a lot. So, it is a lot. And I don't want to do front desk anymore. I've done that years ago. <laughs> Me too. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's what we do is we take that. We make sure they have what they need in hand to, to be able to do their jobs. Like we, we have fee schedules for every uh, payer that we are participating with, that we have a contract with. And so we have those fee schedules for every CPT code in the office visit world. And, you know, they know what to collect from those patients if they have a percentage that is to be collected. And so we try to get all that, you know, at the time of the visit, because you certainly will do better if you collect at the time of service yes. first and billing later. Mm-hmm. And now if it's a billing person that we're training, then, you know, my business office director is a, um, she's a certified coder and a certified CPMA, a medical auditor. So she also trains on that. And if it's a clinical 
Um, then we, you know, I do have clinical staff that have been with us for 13 years. So mm-hmm. they can train those individuals on that. And of course, they don't throw everything at them at one time because there's so much to each job. Um, so they train them. They let them usually float for a day or so shadowing them. And then they'll let them do certain tasks at a time until mm-hmm. they get comfortable with it. Good. I think that's important, especially if you want to retain these employees. You want them to, you want to spend all that time that you spend training. Um, you want that to stay in your practice. Um, so Absolutely. it's good to be able to retain those. Um, I liked what you said on looking at yourself as a leader. Um, I try to do that as well. I'm, I'm not a boss. I don't think anybody wants a boss in this day and age, right? You need no. to be a servant leader. How are some of the ways that you all incorporate that? into your practice? Well, I'll lead by example. If I want my staff to be here on time in the morning, I always get here early. So I'm on time. Um, You know, they see what you do. So make sure that you're doing your job just like they do their job. And and one of the things they understand that my job is to ensure that their jobs are being done. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I just, I try to treat them with respect with everything that they do. Um, and, you know, we're kind of like a small family here in my office because we've a lot of us have been here. I've been here almost 19 years, but we've been here 12 years, 15 years. I have a nurse practitioner, 22 years. So, you know, we try to treat everybody with respect. That's what I do. I respect them. Yeah. I listen to them. I have an open door policy. Um, I have no time for somebody that wants to be a tattletale. <laughs> you know, but I do have time to listen to somebody's um if they're concerned about something going on in the practice, I do listen to all that. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's all of a part of a good compliance program as well is Uh knowing that they have somebody that they can go, go talk to. And it's the culture. So you talk about that a little bit too. Um, it's got to be the culture and we we're really lucky here at AAPC and on the audit services side where I work, um, from the top down, everybody knows the Bevan and they know how he is. And he's got, um, he creates a culture here for us. And I think that is so important everywhere. Um, Because if you're working in an environment that's stifling or just hostile, um, you're not going to have good employees. No, I totally agree. And the thing is, is, is I don't micromanage. They all are adults. They know how to do their jobs. As a matter of fact, I tell them they're experts in their jobs, just like yeah. I'm an expert in my job. They are too. And I trust that they are going to do their job correctly and efficiently. And one of the things that I tell them is I want people to be, as, you know, I want good people around me. I want people who are very talented because that's what makes this office run efficiently is if we're all doing our jobs correctly. And if we're all, you know, it's the heart. I tell them, treat patients as they're your parents, your grandparents. Yeah, absolutely. Treat them as you want to be treated and you'll never a have a problem. Thought. And so that's kind of what we do. But, you know, they... I'm very blessed with my staff. I will say that. And, you know, we've been, like I said, the last two years, this last year has been great. But prior to that, for two years, it just seems like it was a revolving door for a little bit of time. And then that has kind of gone away, which is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're very lucky because I know there's a lot of... uh practices or even companies like here at AABC that uh, we're still kind of struggling a bit. We're looking for those high quality people and getting them onboarded and getting them trained. And I think a lot of practices are struggling. Well, even, I mean, 
I know restaurants don't really have anything to do with what we do, but you go to a local restaurant and they're closed because they don't have staff. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just, it's really a very strange um, world that we live in. I will say that. Now, one of the other things you were talking about in your article was offering good benefits, which I completely agree with. You've got to have a benefit package that's um, that competes right with other practices in the area or practices um, even out of the area if you're like a rural or or something. Um, so, what are some of the benefits you all offer, like a basic package? Uh, we do offer health insurance to the employee. They pay 15% of the premium each month, which is really a steal because we have a very good health plan. Wow. Um, we're one of the lucky ones with still just a $2,500 deductible on a $5,000 or $6,000 deductible. And we have co-pays mm-hmm. for prescriptions and for um, office visits. And um, we also have a 401k plan. We have um, holidays that we do pay. They get they actually now, my staff get nine holidays a year because we implemented last year their birthday as a holiday. Oh, and interesting. The, well, and I'll tell you why I did that. You know, one of the ways you keep staff is continuing to give um, raises, not only cost of living raises, but um, raises that they have earned. And in this day and time, that's hard to do because yes. expenses go up. Our, our income doesn't really go up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we, what I like to do is it's not going to cost the practice any more because they would normally work that day. So I'll give you your birthday off. They can take it after their birthday within a certain period of time and have that as a holiday. So that was an incentive and the staff really loved that. Um, we do have, uh, gosh, we have PTO and it, it's staggered. You know, when you start out for the first couple of years, it's the a minimal amount, like 10, 10 days PTO. We do a combination of sick and vacation during that time. At, mm-hmm. at three years, you got another week. Five years, you got another week, and it tops down at five weeks a year. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a, a year 11. But we have, you know, we, we try to do those kind of things. We also do, um, one of the things that I started doing too is like around like this past Valentine's Day, what I normally do is do some little gift candy for the staff, but I, I got chocolate covered strawberries for each staff member. And then I do nice. a dessert table. So I made all of that myself and they enjoyed <laughs> it. It took me a little bit of time, <laughs> but I do that and they appreciate because they know you care about them. And sometimes we'll give gift cards, um, like a $10 gift card for Valentine's Day. Uh, we do Administrative Professionals Day and the Medical Assistant Day, all that all combined. And, and we do give gift cards and we have a celebration for them. And we'll buy lunch every once in a while so they don't have to buy their lunch. And right. um, we provide um, $100 a year towards scrubs. I know that's not much, but that's something that they're not having to pay out of their pocket. And we offer dental insurance and um, vision insurance and it, the, and we actually have a life insurance policy that our employees have. So one of, and the other thing that I do a lot is I have these little, I do it in the fall and I usually do it in the spring, is these little coupons. And so they can draw for coupons. I'll have them pinned to a wall or something taped to a wall. And it could be coming 30 minutes late, leave 30 minutes early, leave an hour earlier. I usually right. try not to do anything around lunchtime because it's always busy because we never close. Mm-hmm. But they love that and they're going to get paid for that. So those are things that doesn't cost the practice anymore. Right. But it's a benefit, and that's what they love, you know, honestly. 
I love all of those ideas. I like the birthday idea. I might have to um, kind of float that up the chain here at ABC and see if we can uh, get on board with that. Yeah. Um, Great. Oh, I love all of that. Uh, PTO time, I think, is so important um, because we're all struggling with the work-life balance. I know for me, I'm a single mom of three teenagers. It's very important that I have their lives incorporated with my work and everything else that's going on. And if we just don't promote that, um, we're we're going to lose people because there are organizations out there that are very work-life balanced. So that's so important. It is. And it's important for them to take off. I try to say, save your time and at least take a week off at once. Yes. Taking a day or two here, it doesn't allow you time to relax and get a break from work. It doesn't. I encourage them. Usually when I'm taking a day off, I'm trying to do laundry or run errands or something, right? It's not a vacation. (laughs) I come back to work and I'm like, now now I'm on vacation because I'm back to work. (laughs) Oh, I can go home and take a nap. You know, that's what I was doing my time. (laughs) Okay, well, um, we're going to take a real quick break here. We'll be right back. We're going to discuss some training tips um, and some other things in order uh, to have a good quality staff. So we'll be right back. How are you safeguarding against errors that put your organization at risk? At AAPC Services, we leverage our deep expertise in over 80 medical specialties. We create tailored solutions that drive accuracy, profitability, and peace of mind for healthcare organizations of every size. And when it comes to the accuracy you depend on, we leave nothing to chance. Your project will undergo our multi-tier quality review process, ensuring you meet your goals and we maintain our enterprise-wide 98% accuracy rate. Learn more at aapc.com business. All right. Welcome back um, to The Pulse. Karen Bowman and I are sitting here talking about Um, cultures and staffing and all of that important stuff um, that we've got to have in order to enable our patients to have a good experience. Um, And I think that's part of uh, what one of the things we're constantly talking about, not only with our providers as we audit and do education with them, it's our staff. Um, If we're not happy or being able to do the job that we aren't or can't do or we don't have the tools to do, um, then I don't feel like we are helping establish good patient care either, right? Right. Yes. So we have to keep that in mind as as we look at staffing. And so one of the things I think um, I struggle with a little bit is overstaffing versus understaffing. Neither one is good. Um, But which one's better than the other? Is it better to be understaffed, you think, (laughs) or overstaffed? Well, it depends on how you look at it. Financially, it's better to be understaffed (laughs) than staff members, but it's certainly easier to, to... run your business or your practice if you're fully staffed. Um, And that's my opinion. We kind of do things a little different. I have a nurse practitioner who has one week off a month. And then I have another nurse practitioner who's off a certain day in that month. So we, I let the staff, this is something we started last year. And to be honest with you, because we have continued to give raises and bonuses to staff, we felt like we needed somehow or another to save a little money. So we offered the staff, time to take off without using PTO. 
mm-hmm. and it didn't hurt them. And so like when I have one provider here versus five, I'm like, who doesn't want to work? You know, who wants to right. go home for the afternoon? Mm-hmm. And so they can choose to use PTO or not use it. And so I always have takers for that. And on the Fridays when I'm down to one provider, I'll have, I won't work a full staff that day. Um Certain certain departments do work because they never get caught up, needless to say. But yeah. I can always spare someone in clinical and someone in the front office, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Well, that's good. Um, there's a really fine line, and I know there's a lot of benchmarks out there that people can look at to determine, you know, um, what's a good staffing ratio for our providers. You know, if we have X number of providers, then we need X number of coders or X number of clinicians, staff and medical nurses and things like that. Um, It's always something. And I think it continues to evolve again in this post COVID or pre COVID or during COVID or whatever it's called these days environments to make sure that we just kind of keep up with that. And um, then keeping our staff on board. Um, So we talked a little bit in the previous before our break about training. Um, So you had mentioned in your article, you had uh, six different tasks. So I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit more about each of those. So the first first thing you talked about was streamlining your tasks. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, I think it's important that you know what is expected for each you know position when you're when you're hiring someone um, and you have them in the office. I think you have to streamline. You have to do what's best for that um, that particular employee because it's all different depending on the the actual um, you know department that they're in. But you know, like with a front office, we have an eligibility program that automatically runs to verify insurance. And if it's a new patient, we may not have all that information, but you can do it on demand within a couple of seconds. And so that makes it so much easier that you can verify that and know you have the correct information at the front end versus later when it gets denied or rejected by the insurance. You know, and again, we talked a little bit earlier about having the fee schedules. That's what we do is we streamline that to the front office so they don't have to reach out to the billing department and ask how much do I need to collect. Another thing that we do is we have, um, it used to be the billing department's responsibility to review the schedules for the next day. And now we've turned that over to a front office person. They review it and they look at anything that is due by the patient. Maybe it's a collection balance, you know, or they're, they're, they're past due paying their bill or something like that, or, or their responsibility. They'll go ahead and figure out as much as they can prior to that patient even showing up in the office, which, help, which does help a lot. So good. Nice. Nice. Um, Then it kind of leads into the referrals. So especially with you all being specialists, right? Your patients are coming to you. um, They have a problem or something going on, right? They're not um, coming in for primary care. So you guys get a lot of referrals, I'm guessing. And I think you talked about that a little bit in your second point of the article. Yes, we do. Being a specialist, we most our patients 
can come to us self-referred, but the majority of them come referred by another physician. And one of the most important things that we have to make sure that we have, if you have a patient you're seeing for, let's say anemia, do you have that lab work indicating that they're anemic? So we make sure that we have those labs on hand, that we've gotten those prior to that appointment date, because you don't want to wait till the day the patient comes in to try to gather that information because then you're going to be running behind. And then that causes all kinds of problems. So yeah, we do manage those referrals. And one of the things that we have to make sure of, um, does that payer require a referral for the patient to be seen in the office? Right. And we have to make sure that we have that. There's still a few of those out there. Yeah. And so we do verify those. It's, it's you know, far and few between now, but we do still have a few. Yep, it is. Consultations always um, have been a question mark, (laughs) I think, for a long time. Um, Then you talk about being specific, ensuring that staff members understand your specialty. Um, They know what they're supposed to do. They're trained in their job duties. So you talk about having protocols on the routine duties. So tell me a little bit more about that. Absolutely. You know, there's certain things that we require of each one of those. Like if you have, let's just say you have a patient who is coming into the practice, you know, you have to look for everything that we have, you know, make sure that we have their insurance card, their complete demographic sheet, their H&P that they've completed, um, and make sure that, you know, we have, and if we are, you know, we try to get the email addresses from the patients so we can email, you know, put them in the patient portal, email them and all that kind of stuff. But it's so important that you can do that with the patients. Um, another thing is, you know, what about, um, let's just say it's clinical and we get biopsy results back or making sure that we are, you know, monitoring those biopsy reports because we do a, we have a lot of pathology from procedures that we do. Or the lab reports or imaging, we may do an MRI or a CT scan, um, an ultrasound, you know, or a HADA scan, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure we monitor that we get all of those results back in in a timely fashion so our providers can review those and we can give those results to the patients. And sometimes that patient may need to be referred to a surgeon. So it's important to do those very timely. Um, just like on the front end, you know, when we have a patient referred to us from another provider, we need to send back a report to that provider to make sure. So they there's a task list that they have to work, you know, to make sure that they're getting all that done. And, and with the billing department, similar from you know things, are we billing out offices? It's timely, you know. And so sometimes those are held for a little a day or so because my provider has not signed off on that office note yet. So, you know, we have certain protocols here that we follow, you know, are we working aged insurance in a timely fashion, you know, and the denials timely. So there are protocols set up for everything and time limits, you know, for those, for the staff. I like that. And I think it's a good idea um, to have those protocols in place. Now, you're always going to have this oddball thing come up that you never would have expected to happen, but your staff is able to handle situations like that. It sounds like you're giving them the ability to do that, not as you said earlier about micromanaging, it's not that it's um, allowing them to make those spot on decisions. And, and if it doesn't work out, that's fine. Let's figure it out for next time. Right. Absolutely. Cause there's always going to be that one thing that comes up you've never dealt with before. Yes. Always. So then it's kind of like, you've got to make a decision at that point. And, you know, I want to hear their thoughts on it. What do they think? And then we'll discuss it and then we'll make a decision from there. Um, because they're in their positions, you know, I'm not doing their jobs, no matter who right. it is. 
Um, I back up the billing department. That's pretty much all I back up. <laughs> I can answer the phone and make an appointment, but I prefer not to do that. Uh, I have some great staff who can do that. But but you do. You have if you don't set protocols, they won't know what's expected of them. Right. I agree with that. Uh, you talked about offer, offering reference materials, and we talk about this a lot, too, in a lot of the webinars and stuff that we do here at APC Services. Um, but having the um, tools, and I still, to this day, get shocked when I talk to an office and I ask them, um, you know, well, did you check your CCI edits, for example? And they say, yes. And I say, well, for which quarter? <laughs> because when I check them, they're bundled and they're like, oh, no, we use the CMS website. We got we downloaded the files like three years ago. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you really have to keep current information, whether it's a CPT, ICD, book, whatever it may be that you need in the office. That's what you need to do. And then if you can make cheat sheets for your specialty or whatever, then so be it. You know, we may we do that with ICD and 10 codes to make it easier because that's one of one of the complaints I get from one of my providers is I'm not a coder. Yes. <laughs> and he's been asked to code when he's putting information in his his um patient's chart. So and so he has trouble searching for things sometimes and he'll ask right. us. But we have what we call a cheat sheet then he can look at and, and pick from. Good. And I agree with that too, especially when it's easier when you're a specialty and you just have a certain select set of codes. You're not using the entire book a hundred percent of the time, like other practices would. So, <laughs> and, and when the changes came in 2021 and, and then again in 2023, and now we have the E&M guidelines, I know we created um, sheets to send to clients and, and put out there that they could use to help providers because we want to make it easier on providers to do their job, right? They didn't, I say this over and over, but they didn't go to medical school to become a coder, <laughs> right? So if we can help get their job easier, I feel like we're doing such a good job again in that overall great patient care. Oh, I totally agree with you on that because they, you know, I like I have one provider who spends entirely too much time with the patients. <laughs> and I always tell him you're never going to get paid enough money to see that patient for an hour, you know, right. <laughs> because he, he is that way. Mm -hmm. and, and his patients will wait to see him. But the truth of the matter is, if you don't train those physicians and those providers on the coding and how it's changed and what, you know, what they um, need to know, then you're really leaving lots of money on the table and you don't have in this day and time, we don't have any reason to leave money on the table, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Mm -mm. Absolutely. Um, we, you talked a little bit about making training mandatory, and I cannot stress this enough. And this is one of the things that I go out and do for AABC. I go out and train not coders, um, but physicians, coders, billers. Um, sometimes it's the entire revenue cycle, right? From the front desk to the denial <laughs> or the payment. Cross your fingers. <laughs> but, um, the training, it's so important. And I know um, people say, oh, they don't need it. It's its too time consuming. It costs too much money. But I just feel like you've got to have a mandatory training process. So does your staff get trained yearly or is it a quarterly thing or how do you all handle that? Um, we have our yearly training at the beginning of the year with OSHA and HIPAA and right. Plan and things like that. Mm -hmm. But during the year, there is other training that we, we have them do like 
my coders will, um, they're both members of AAPC, so they attend, you know, monthly meetings, you know, that, that we have. Um, and if there's anything specific to GI, I had a new coder here that started last year, and so I wanted her to do a GI-specific coding seminar, and so she did. And so those are the things that we do. If there's anything as far as Palmetto, which is our Medicare um, payer here, and so I, you know, I make sure that they go to that so they can keep up to date with the changes that's going that is going on that we have to know. And you know, a lot of times your private, your commercial payers, Blue Cross United, and things of that nature will have some kind of seminar on something, and so we'll I'll make yeah. sure that they watch it. And we also have with us and a lot of um, offices may have this if you have providers because you know providers have to have malpractice coverage well we are very blessed to have state volunteers at our malpractice insurance and they have a home medical practice services department where they do training and they can, they do training for your staff and it's online so i will have my staff do online training and one of the other things i can do is bring someone in we have monthly staff meetings and I know if we're doing training, it can be a two-hour staff meeting. Otherwise, it's usually about an hour. But I'll bring an outside speaker in because it, I can tell the same information that the outside speaker tells, but they're going to gain more from it from hearing an outside speaker because they hear me all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, So I'll let them do that. And sometimes they'll have um, meetings here in town. Our malpractice entrance does, and I can rotate the staff to go to those meetings, you know, mm-hmm. or we're getting ready to do a customer service workshop across the board for anybody. And I'll send certain staff to that in the morning, certain staff to that in the afternoon, because the, the most important thing that we need to rem- remember is we are in a customer service oriented field. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to make patients happy. Uh, we need to make providers happy. So we kind of forget that in our everyday to day life. I agree. So it's good to be reminded of that. So just go and remember, you know, how do you talk to that patient when they walk in that door? They call you on the phone asking about a bill. You know, it's it's how you come across that patient that makes um makes them want to come back to you, you know, and yeah. refer you for, refer their friends and family to your company. So oh I agree a hundred percent. And I know a lot of the time um, when I go out and, and meet with practices, it's I'm just reiterating the same thing that the coder is telling the provider. They just need to hear it um, in a different way or from a different mouth, right? Absolutely, yes. Um, and and we're no different as patients. You know, if if we get an opinion we don't like, I'm going to go get another opinion. <laughs> so, Absolutely. <laughs> Um, well, this has been really interesting. Um, I still think that this is a topic we could probably spend hours on, but um, nobody has that time in this day and age because we need to get to work. Um, so thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you uh, taking your time to talk to us about staffing. Oh, you're very welcome. And I have enjoyed it too. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening to The Pulse. Um, join us next time. See you. At AAPC Services, we help healthcare organizations like yours maximize efficiency, mitigate risk, and prevent revenue loss. Our credentialed experts provide services for insurance audit appeals, coding and billing accuracy, accounts receivable audits, corporate integrity audits, and much more. Find out how we can help your organization overcome challenges and meet its goals. 
Learn more at aapc.com slash business.